Well, welcome to 50 Days of Transformation. Over the next seven weeks together, we're going to be looking to try to obey God's command to us when he says to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Would you say that verse with me? Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what the good is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So we're going to be trying to do that over these next seven weeks together, looking at ways in which we can obey God's command to be transformed. And we're going to be looking at some different areas of our lives. We're going to start today with our spiritual health. That's why it's at the top of your sermon outlines. We're talking about our spiritual health because it really all begins there. But we're also going to be looking about at our physical health. We're going to be looking at our emotional health, our mental health. We're going to be talking about our relational health. We're going to be looking at our vocational lives, our financial lives, and looking at these key components that are a part of our lives. And as we talked about last week, we're going to be trying to listen to God to see what he's saying to us to set goals. We're not trying to make up our own plans, but we're trying to listen to the Lord and say, listen, this is the plan I have for you. And as we set a goal and we work towards it in terms of letting God work in our lives, we're looking to get to a place where we are transformed. And today we're going to start with spiritual health. And and the reason we're going to start there is really because your, your spiritual life all hinges on how you're doing spiritually, how close you are to God. The the closer you are to God, the better you're doing. The further you, you get away, the more your spiritual life struggles. The, in many ways, the way life gets tougher because you're building your life around things that really can't withstand the storm. You're like the fool who's building his house on the sand. Now, one of the things I would suggest to you today is that once you get to a place where you recognize that there is a God. Once you kind of get to a place where you you just don't have enough faith to believe that all of what we experience just happened by accident, that somehow or another the right couple of molecules bumped into one another and all this chain reaction started and now we have millions of stars, we have planets that revolve around suns and we have on this planet life forms that grew like ours and, and, and which, which just, just are incredible in their ability to, to function, etc. If you somehow believe that, I don't, I don't think that just kind of all happened by accident. Somewhere in behind it was an intelligent force that drove it into existence. You get to the place where you believe that there is a God. When you get to that place, the two most important questions you can ask yourself are these. How do I get back to this God? How do I get close to this God? And secondly, how do I stay close to them? Because if there is a being out there who really is in charge or has that power over the universe, the two most important questions we can ask ourselves are, how do do I get to know this God? How do I get close to this God? And how do I stay close to him? And I want to explore those two points today in my message to you as we talk about spiritual health. When you and I think about our spiritual health, the the most important questions we can ask ourselves are, how do I get back to God? And how do I stay close to God? For some of us, we've really never felt like we got close to God at all. Others of us have said, you know, I used to be closer, but now I'm further away. 
how do we get back to God? How do we get close to God? And then how do we stay there? And I want to look at several passages of Scripture today to speak to those two points. So let's start with the first one. How is it that you and I get close to God? And, and I, I want to use a couple of stories, one story out of the New Testament, and then I'm going to point back to an actual figure in the Old Testament to point out to us some of the issues that I think are related to how it is that you and I get back to God. The first of those is, is the very well-known story from the New Testament known as the story of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. Some of you remember that story. Some of you, you know, you pray that you never have a son like this kind of thing. But here's a, here's a kid that, that as growing up, he was the younger. He knew he was never going to be the in-charge person in the family. And so he got in a certain stage. He said, you know, Dad, the fact that you're alive is cramping my style. I want to be my own man. So I'm going to get 33% when the time comes. Would you just give it to me now? I just, you know, you, you can't die fast enough, so can I get my share now? And so he asked his dad for his share of the inheritance. And this father, as the story is told by Jesus, concurs with his request. So the father liquidates a third of his estate. He gives it to his son, and the son immediately goes on a long journey, and he lives the way that he wants to. And so he's living the high life. He, he said, this is what it means to live. And he's living that way. And then all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of bad loans on the banker's books and the financial system's going down and there's a recession and stock market's dropping and all this kind of stuff, and, and he can't get a job. He, he's out of money. All of his friends have left him, and, and he's poor. He, and he has no way to feed himself, so he finally accepts a job feeding pigs, right? And so he, he, he just he takes a job at the bottom of the food chain especially for a Jewish person. Because you remember, they don't, they don't have anything to do with pigs, right? Swine, etc. So he, he, here he he's feet, and he says, boy, I, I wish I had what they have to eat. You know, you imagine getting to a place where you, you would long to eat pig slop. Mm. Anyway, he comes to his senses, the Scripture tells us. And he says, you know what? My father's servants have it better than I do. I, I, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my father. I need to head back. And, and he heads back home, and he's come, and, he, and he's ready to offer himself up. He says, you know, Father, just make me one of your servants. And, of course, the father, as we know the story, receives him with, with, with a warm welcome, puts a robe on him, puts sandals on his feet, because only the slaves went without, servants went without shoes. You know, those who were a part of the, the family wore shoes. He puts a ring on his finger, his ability to, to represent the family, the whole kind of story. It's incredible. So Luke chapter 15, if you've not seen it. But I want to add alongside of him somebody else who had the same kind of experience. We got to a place in his life where he said, you know what? L life just isn't satisfying. And, and, and this, this story, or at least the statement that he makes out of his experience, comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you have your Bibles, you could turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. It's page 560 in our pew Bible. It's also going to appear on the screen over my shoulder to you. And Ecclesiastes is right after the book of Proverbs, which is right after the book of Psalms. So the book of Psalms is the biggest book in the Bible. It's right smack dab in the middle. And Proverbs is just to the right of it. And then after that, you come to the book of Ecclesiastes. And again, it's page 560. Now, this book is written by Solomon. Solomon is King David's son. And he was known 
to, to be somebody who experienced tremendous success, tremendous luxury, and incredible wisdom, all those kinds of things. Listen to his story. It says, I, the teacher, this is a reference to Solomon, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. It's beginning with verse 12 of chapter 1. It says, I applied my mind to seek and explore through wisdom all that is done under heaven. He said, and God, it, so I, I, I've checked out life from every single angle. And you know what? God has given people this miserable task to keep them occupied. So life for him at this point, it's a guy who's sitting on the throne, has everything at his disposal, at this point in time, has hundreds of wives, maybe that was his problem, had hundreds more women in his harem, you know, and he's looking at it, he says, you know what? Life is just a terrible, miserable experience. See, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun, and I've found everything to be futile, a pursuit of the wind. Everything that makes a promise, when you finally lay hold of it, it just disappears. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I, I've amassed wisdom far beyond all those who were over Jerusalem before me. He also amassed a lot more money, prestige, fame, all that kind of stuff. And my mind has thoroughly grasped wisdom and knowledge. I applied my mind to know wisdom and knowledge. I also applied myself to know madness and folly, because maybe that's where the solution was. You know, ignorance is bliss. He said, you know what? I realized that all of that is just a pursuit of the wind. For with much wisdom is much sorrow. And as knowledge increases, grief increases. So you have the contrast. Prodigal son, bottom of the food chain, he's down and out. You've got a guy who's at the top of the food chain, who's up and in, and both of those guys are saying, life just isn't working the way it's supposed to. And here's the point I want to make to you about how it is that you and I get close to God. And, and I, now, listen carefully. I, I, you know, it's hard to articulate this, and I want you to get the piece, but the thi I want you to understand that when we talk about transformation, we are not talking about change. We are not asking you. We're not challenging you. We're not inviting you. God's not inviting you just to change. He's not inviting you just to be a better person. God is inviting you to be transformed. In other words, he's inviting you to become a new creation in Christ. Many of you, maybe that's too strong of a term, but many believers that I've known over the years, you know, really, I think their struggle to really walk with God came back to the fact that they never really were transformed to start with. All of their effort are a lot like Solomon. All of their efforts are a lot like the prodigal sons. They're trying to do life. They're trying to change rather than letting God transform them. They're trying to live a better life rather than living the life that God's trying to give them in Jesus Christ. And that's where a lot of us struggle because we've never had that experience of really being made into a new creature in Christ. As Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is, is fast and the new has come. You're a brand new person. And some of us are trying to be transformed when the only potential we really have is just to be changed. We can become better people, but we really can't be transformed into the image of Christ. 
because we've never really been transformed by our faith in Christ. And, 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 and you can look at these stories, the story of the prodigal son and the experience of Solomon, and, and you understand that that journey of, of coming to faith, of, of experiencing that original transformation that leads to all the rest starts with the fact you get to the place where, where you're just kind of fed up with life. Whether you're at the bottom of the food chain or whether you're at the top of the food chain, you just say, this life is just, it, it's just, not fulfilling. It's not something I'm, you know, I'm going to get to the point where this, we're just fed up with life. We, we, it's just doesn't have enough, you know, success or, or whatever. Is it, you know, pleasure, just having nothing to do and being able to be idle. Whatever. We all have our different goals and stuff. And we look at it and say, you know, it, it just doesn't satisfy. We get to a place where we're fed up. And with that, we have to get to a place where we fess up. You know, the, it's in the middle of the story of the prodigal son, he, he clearly says, you know what, I've sinned against God, and I've sinned against my Father. In other words, I've brought this life on myself. And, and I can become, a, if you will, a better but I can't become a child, a child again. He said, and we have to fess up. You know, God, I had a role in this. And, 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 and I can be a good person, but I can't be a righteous person. And with that, we get to a place where we offer ourselves up to the Lord. So we kind of get fed up, we fess up, and then we offer ourselves up and when he says, you know, make me your servant, and the father welcomes him back into the, to the family. I got to tell you, this is a critical point for all of us. Because some of us are trying to go into this process of transformation, and, and really the only hope we have is just to be changed, just to become better people, because we never really have been transformed. You know, one of the statements that always creates great concern for me is when somebody tells me, well, I've always believed in God. Because I think if you're one of those things, I have always believed in God. I think you're really one of those people where all that you have really before you is the potential of being changed, just being a better person. You really can't be transformed. I, I, I don't know if I would say it, it has to boil down to a, a specific point in time, but I would certainly say there has to be a concentrated moment in time where we get to a place where we say, I am fed up with this life. And we fess it up to the Lord. And we specifically make ourselves available to God to redeem. And we invite him into our life through our faith in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and that doesn't happen by accident. It's not something that you've always done. It's, a, it's somewhere along the time, there's a season, a concentrated moment in time where you say, I, I can't do this. Like Solomon is always like chasing the wind. You never can grab it. Like the, 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 the prodigal son saying, I've brought this on myself and this life is bad. And, and, and saying, God, I, I want you to redeem me. I want you to change me. And, and we are not talking about change. We're talking about being transformed. And if you're trying to be transformed and you've never been transformed by faith in Jesus Christ, you're really pursuing an impossible pathway. You see, the step to getting close to God is to be transformed by placing your faith in Christ, whom the Father sent to be our Savior and our Lord. And that's the place to start this journey. As you start and you start thinking about your spiritual health and say, you know what, have, have I ever come to a place where I've asked God to make me a new creature? In Jesus Christ. I, I just don't want to get, I don't want the better me. I want to be a new me as we go forward.
So that's how we get close to God. We get back to God. Is that we have to get fed up with life. We have to fess up our role in it, and we need to make ourselves available to God to change us through our faith in Jesus Christ. The second part is how do we stay close to God? You know, um, there's an old hymn that I still remember. Some of the words says, you know, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I won't sing it to you because I don't want you to leave, or I want you to stay for the rest of the service. But I can at least quote the words to you. We just have this instinct. The, the thing I want you to understand is that when we talk about staying close to God, about being transformed, once we have been transformed by our faith in Jesus Christ, God has transformed us so we can be transformed, we're talking about a process. And I'm going to show you a video here in just a moment which highlights some of the dynamics that come out about that process. You know, um, I'm going to show you the story, of uh, the testimony of Shane and Linnea Vick. Uh, they were in our first service. They were on their way back to Oregon this week, so this was their last service. Came here to Massachusetts uh, about 16 months ago. And I'm going to tell you something, but, and we could have used this video in several different places along the way in our Transform series, series, but it clearly shows that our journey of walking with the Lord is a process. We were married in 2008. Um, in Oregon, we have two boys. Um, Simon's our oldest, he was born in 2010. And then Channing, um, our youngest boy, he was born in 2011. We lived in Washington State for most of our marriage. And then we needed a change, I needed a new job. I got accepted to Mass College of Pharmacy um, here in Worcester. So we decided that um, it was a good opportunity, it would be a big move, but that it was something that we could do. It was, it's only a 16-month program. Felt like we could be here for a little bit and then get my schooling done and go back to Oregon um, <laughs> and get our lives going again. In the process of figuring everything out, we found out we were pregnant with our third little girl. Um, which was pretty exciting. Linnea especially has always wanted a little girl. <laughs> and so we we're super excited. It was going to be big a big challenge. <laughs> You're going to be, what, Across seven, eight months country. pregnant was mm -hmm. when we were driving 3,000 3, miles across the country. We felt like God was going to take care of us, that we could get through it, that it would be something that we could, we could do with his help. February 9th of last year, um, Bridget was born. No. Uh, <laughs> You're feeling good. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. I know. What do you think about mommy? Uh, we'll keep this off the record. It's just between you and me. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that what you think? Uh, uh, mm -hmm. It's his story, and so how can we not share it, you know? Because um, we would have never thought this would have been his plan for our lives, but mm -hmm. this is how he has it. And so, as he's gotten us through this, he, I just, I don't know, he, he can do anything. The P 
pediatrician had always said she's such a social little girl. She'll, she's super healthy. She was always really great with everything. And my thing with, with my little girl is that I never wanted her to cry. And, and so I think when that night happened, I, I felt so bad that she cried for a little bit. But our midwife and everyone reassured us when they're crying, everything's working, you know? And she didn't cry long, but she mm-hmm. cried. And and so it breaks your, your heart, your mother's yeah. heart, as like to let right. her Well, I mean, we'd have two boys. and. Yeah. You feel like at that point you're pretty good at, you know, you're not a perfect, but you're getting good at raising kids. You kind of figure them out. And so we felt, I, I mean, I felt confident she needed to cry it out and go to sleep. So that's what we did is we laid her down. I was studying. Linnea took the boys to cubbies. And um, then Linnea came back and I was tucking the boys into bed. Linnea went in to get Bridget to um, feed her, to wake her up to, before so that she would hopefully sleep during the night. Um, and when Linnea went in there, Bridget wasn't there anymore. And she yelled for me to come in. She said, Bridget's not moving. And I immediately am like, she's just fine. You know, she's fine. She's sleeping. Just wake her up. And um, she couldn't be woken up. Just a total shock, you know, like you never expect something like that to happen. Just completely out of your control. Like, I think for us now, even too, is a very fearful thing for our boys to be sleeping because that's been our experience that when they're sleeping, they could pass. And as parents, you feel guilty. You know, you should have known. You should have seen it coming. You should have, like, picked up on it. And looking back, you think, obviously, she had a bad day. Like, we should have known something was the matter. But then you think about, with our boys, like, they had bad days, too. Even though this has been the hardest experience we've ever gone through, and we miss having our little girl. It's God has given us a new perspective on who people are and on his plan and what life is about. Psalms 139.16 Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. You know, and so God knew that Bridget was going to live on this earth for three months, and even before the beginning of time. And so that was just, it's just been a huge comfort to me. God has allowed us to have a passion, especially for little girls now, that we want to help them because they're so precious and they're so beautiful. And God's made all of them and he loves them all mm-hmm. so much and we want them to know that. Yeah, and so we, we have plans for the future that we would like to serve God with and what we want to help people with together. And I feel like that's what's for our marriage has helped it to grow closer because we have a common goal that includes glorifying God. Because if you think about all the things that 
we've gone through in this last year, like that the world would say, you know, like stressful things like giving up, quitting a job, moving across country, you know, living on student loans, having a baby, losing a baby, all those things is such a testimony to God. It's not us, it's to God's glory. Like all of this is for God's glory. It's not us, it's Him. And it's not us that has gotten through this. It's God getting us through it with Him doing it all. I mean, we've just had to completely rely on Him and He's provided so much. Friends, church, yeah. neighbors, yeah. just incredible amounts of things. Yeah, a lot of love. I wish I could tell you that you could make a commitment right now. Close your eyes, offer a prayer, maybe come kneel at the altar. Cry a little bit, cry a lot, whatever, and, and make a commitment and, and you'd be transformed and, and you never have to be transformed an ounce more the rest of your journey. You can't make that promise. Because you and I were transformed by God so that by our faith in Jesus Christ so that we can go through a process of transformation. You know, the one who began a new work in us is the one who's going to be faithful to complete it. It's an ongoing journey. Our transformation, the, the process that, that of staying close to God is just that. It's a process. It's not an event. It's not a destination. It's not a place we just show up and we never have to move again. It is an ongoing journey. And there are lots of dynamics in our lives that will make that a challenge for us at times. Shane and Linnea were gracious enough to share with us their story about losing their child. Others of you have had your own moments. You've lost a spouse. You've lost a sibling. You've lost a parent. You've lost a job. You've gone through tremendous health issues. You, you just, there's just a number of different pieces that have come along. And, 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 and there are also lots of other dynamics that step into our lives. But what you and I need to understand is that the process of transformation is a journey. It is something that happens over and over and over again. God transforms us so that you and I can be transformed as we walk with him. And so when we ask these questions of, how do I get back to God? How do I get close to God? It's by allowing God to transform us by our faith in Jesus Christ. And then how do I stay close to God? Well, it's allowing God to continue to transform us because of who we now are in Jesus Christ. This, you know, sometimes, and I think I missed this quote earlier, that we, we often think about our, our journey, you know, we, we, you know and, and when you think about religion, and we're not talking about religion anymore, but when you think about religion, it's about somehow mastering the stuff we do so we can feel accepted by God. It's, a, it's about learning to obey so we can feel accepted by God. We're not talking about that today. What we're talking about is, is, is Christianity where we are accepted by God because of what Christ has done. And out of that, we have this love that leads us to obey. And it's that journey of love, of following God, of walking with God, that is the key to being transformed in this life. It's a process that we go through. And what I want you to understand is that process ha always has two dynamics in it that never change. One is letting go, and the other is taking hold. Letting go and taking hold. Ephesians chapter um, 4, 
Paul puts it this way. You know, he talks about, you know, and I'll just read, but that is not how you learned about the Messiah, assuming you heard and were taught by him, because the truth is in Jesus. He says you took off, you let go your former way of life, the old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and you are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's this transformation that we're talking about. And you put on the new man. You take hold of something new, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of truth. And, and, and it's this process of staying close to God is always about letting go and taking hold. We've been transformed so that we can go through the process of being transformed, letting go and taking hold. Now, for a lot of us, that tr- process of letting go and taking hold is very difficult. And, and it is for me and it is for you. For some of us, the reason why it's so hard is because we're just stubborn. We, we, we just don't want to let anybody or anything, including God, change us. We want to maintain control. Like the prodigal, we will say, you know, give me my third. I, I, know, I, just, I want to be able to control this myself. And, 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 and some of us, we're just flat out stubborn. And even though they, we know that there's better out there, we just won't let go. I read this illustration this week, and I, I believe this is true. But they say one of the ways that they used to trap monkeys in, in, in the wild was that they would take a coconut and they would hollow it out and they would put a hole in it just big enough so that a monkey could get his hand through it. And then they would put a rock inside. And the monkey would reach into the coconut with, and, and, gra- went, and he grabbed the rock and when he made a fist, it was too big to come back out through the hole. But even as the trapper was coming to collect him, the monkey wouldn't let go of the stone and pull his hand out. He would just keep his fist in there and hold on to it. And, and a lot of us, that's the way we're living. Our, you know, we, we've reached in, we've grabbed on to the kind of the light, and we're just stuck. We're just not going to let go of it, even though we can see all the other stuff that's coming and the captivity, all that kind of stuff, and we just won't let. We're just stubborn. Others of us, we're, we've just gotten comfortable. You know, we're, we're really not fed up with life. You know, some of you rightfully say, you know, my life's not that bad. Well, actually, you're living in America, for so the most part, it's not that bad. I mean, you, you know, if you live in America, you're, you're already ahead of three-quarters of the world, if not more, in terms of what your life is like. You're just, you're just way ahead, you know. And, and, but a lot of it, we, we, we just have gotten comfortable. I, I don't really know if I want anymore. You know, and, and part of my challenge today is to inspire you to seek the fact that there really is more. What you have is good, but there's a whole lot better out there. You know, um, when I was a kid, um, I had allergies. When I would say kids, when I was a, a preschooler, I had allergies. Was two, three years old. You know, my, my Uncle Bo, um, who uh, used to say, said, every time he saw me, I just had snot running down and around the side of my mouth, you know, because I, I, I was just allergic. And I was allergic to dogs, so we had to get rid of the family pet. We had a Norwegian alcohol by the name of Olaf. We called him Oli, and we had to get rid of, rid of him. And then we, and I was allergic to milk, to cow's milk. And so, you know, you have to have milk when you're like two and three, right? So I used to drink this goat's milk that they made from like a paste. You know, remember how you used to get orange juice in a frozen can? You know, you let it soften up a little bit, and you could slide it out. And it's, or you could do that with dog food too, right? The, the, actually, the stuff for, for goat's milk more, looked more like 
dog food. You know, you, you kind of open it. My mother would open it up, and you just see just this big glob. You know, and they mix some water, and then they hand it to you. You say, here, drink this. It's like, oh. You know, and, and, and so I drank goat's milk. But I got to tell you, when I outgrew the allergy and I started drinking real milk, <laughs> as I would call it, cow's milk, I mean, I used to drink tons of it. Remember when they used, you used to be able to go to the grocery store and get the three-gallon containers of milk that you left on the shelf in your refrigerator, had a little spout on the front? You know, and you could pull it out. I mean, a couple gallons was good for me. The family drank the rest, the other gallon, right? I mean, you, once, you, once you kind of taste something that's better, you're not, you know, as a two, three-year-old, goat's milk was okay. But when I tasted real milk, man, I wanted so much more. I, I remember the same story with our, our oldest son, you know, Joshua. We have this picture of him, uh, this video of him uh, eating baby food, right? You know, the, the gross stuff they put in those small cans. They got like mashed up peas or they sweet potatoes or whatever, you know. And he's sitting in this kind of walker thing and we'd give him a spoonful of something that didn't smell so good and he, he'd get it down. And as soon as he got it down, he started going, mm, mm. He went, that was the sign, I want more, you know. He liked it, you know. And, and I got to tell you, though, there came a time when Josh grew up enough and he experienced Italian dressing. You know, and after that, he, that's all he wanted. He, put, he would put Italian dressing on his, on his cornflakes, if you'd let him, right? On his pancakes, just everything, you know? Just, you know, I got to tell you, sometimes we say, well, you know, what I got is not so bad. But I got to tell you, there's something better out there. How many of you, if you went home today and we put on the table a nice fresh salad with whatever you want on top of it or a, ba- a jar of baby food, how many of you are going to go for the baby food? Because you've tasted something better. We get comfortable. And we don't want to change. We just want to stick where we're at. Some of us, we're, we're afraid. There's a fear of the unknown. And some of that is, is that we're afraid that, of, of the hurt that might come as we change. As we fall through this process of letting God transform us as people who have been transformed in Christ. You know, change can hurt. You know, Mike McDaniel is a good friend of mine, been in our life group for a while. One of the things he'll tell you is that as, as, as he came to know, have his faith in Christ and God began to change him, slowly his friends that he had hung out with for over 20 years just slowly disappeared. He didn't drink with them anymore. He didn't do drugs with them anymore. And, they just kind of, and, and, and even though he didn't want anything to do with that lifestyle, losing those relationships hurts. Some of you have people in your past who have created tremendous pain in your life. And one of the things you understand is that as you get serious about being transformed, you know you're going to have to forgive. And you don't really want to forgive because it hurts to forgive somebody who's hurt you. I'm not saying trust them again, but forgive them. It can be a tough challenge. And so we get to a place where we're just afraid. It just hurts. We don't want to do this. Some of us are fear of this, this sense of, of losing control, but i got to tell you, the heart and soul of staying close to God once we've gotten back to God, about staying healthy spiritually, is to embrace the process of letting God transform us because we've already been transformed in Jesus Christ. And that means we've got to let go, and we've got to take hold. We've got to let go, and we've got to take hold. So, you know... As you know, I always try to be extremely practical, right? I mean, I always think, so how can you tell how you're doing spiritually? How can you tell? I mean, it's not like you can go to the doctors and they can stick a stethoscope on you and see how the 
the spiritual heart is beating. It's not like they can wrap a cup around you and check your blood pressure, right? I mean, you just can't do that kind of stuff. So how, how, how can you know how you're doing spiritually? And, and there's a part of this where, you know, I, I think there are ways for us to, to do a spiritual checkup with ourselves. Now, I listed some stuff in your guides for this morning about worship. You know, I think it's really, you know, do we have life that's really uh, driven by thanksgiving? You know, and, and, and I think that's a, a fundamental piece of our spiritual healthiness is that we're truly thankful to God. You saw the video from Shane and Linnea. Did, did, did you hear a lot of, oh, poor us kind of thing? You know, they, they, they weren't celebrating that they lost their child. But they were thankful that God was walking them through the journey and was going to use it as they move forward. There's worship, there's, there's fellowship. You know, how well are we playing spiritually with others? There's evangelism. How are we giving our faith away? There's ministry. How are we serving folks that we don't know? Uh, service. How are we really contributing to the body? And the list could go on and on. I, I tell you, you could use our, our strategy as, as a church, you know, reach. How, how often do you even think when you're interacting with your friends and your colleagues and your neighbors, how often do you, do you even think, boy, I, I need an opportunity to share my faith with them. Great, great spiritual question to ask yourself. We think about connecting. Do I have relationships now in my life that can really encourage me, support me, challenge me, bless me as I'm trying to grow? And am I that kind of person to somebody else? Grow. One of the greatest questions I could ask myself, question you could ask yourself is, how are you different spiritually today than you were six months ago? What, what characteristic, what fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control, which of those is stronger today than it was six months ago? Great question to ask yourself. Great way to give yourself a diagnosis. When it comes to service, do, do you have a clearer understanding today than you did a year ago about how God wants to use your life to make a difference in the world? See, one of the greatest transformations that goes through our lives is to get away from the idea of success and to embrace the fact, the divine nature of service, of giving ourselves away. To, to, you know, and, 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 and do you have a clearer understanding today than you did a year ago of how God wants to use your life to make a difference in the world? These are great questions to ask ourselves. But I want to come back to where we began, that the, the key aspect, of our spiritual health is how close are we to God? Because the closer we get, the healthier we are. The more we pull away, the more we drift away, the more we hold on to the old life and stubbornness or whatever other reason, the, the tougher life is going to get for us spiritually. Because if we really have been transformed in Christ by our faith, th there's this voice inside saying, this is not you. This is not you. This is not you. you, you you've been made for more than this. So I, I challenge you today, as we go through this first week of, of looking at the issues of spiritual health in our daily readings and as our life group meets together and we interact with the teaching, to one, to, go, to, to conduct a spiritual checkup on your spiritual health. And secondly, don't settle for being changed. Don't settle for just being a better person. Adopt a goal to be transformed into the person that God transformed you to be through your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together for just a moment.
if you've never, if you, if you just don't feel like you've really ever made it back to God, you've never had a moment where you were really transformed in your relationship with God, you could just pray a prayer like this, God, I, I confess to you that my life's not what it can be or should be or really all that I want to be. And God, I admit that I'm part of the problem. And I ask you to forgive me in Jesus Christ. And even though I don't know exactly what it may all mean yet, not, not, a, not, a, not a great theologian yet, I invite you to come into my life through faith in Jesus Christ and to forgive me and make me into a new person in Jesus. Hmm. For the rest of us, We might ask ourselves today, how excited are you about the process of being transformed into the person that God transformed you to be? God, we don't want to be just changed. Father, we just don't want to be better people. God, we want to be transformed people. We want to be new creations. We want to be like Christ. Work in our lives, Father, on the journey of being transformed. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.